A bourgeois family joins a cattle drive, which leads to her reaching his son. Somebody write this. Welcome to Somebody Write This, where we use a random plot generator to give us an idea, and then we brainstorm how that could be a thing somebody might want to write. I'm Hannah. And I'm Jenny. And to help us with our brainstorming today, we have a guest. Let's welcome David Conrad. Hello, David. Hi, nice to be here. Hi, we're excited to have you here. So I wanted to talk with you a little bit about the book you have written, which is all about stories and how they interact with history. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about it, and then we'll we'll dig a little bit more. Okay, so yeah, I've written a nonfiction history book that is uh, approaching history in a different way. I'm using the 30 movies of Japanese movie director Akira Kurosawa, Uh, to explain 20th century Japanese history. So it's almost like using those movies as your primary source to learn about the changes that Japan experienced um, over these very, very busy hundred years. How do you connect those? Like, is Kurosawa, does Kurosawa tell historical stories? How do these two things connect? He does tell historical stories in the the movies that uh, most people have seen. Uh, if they've seen anything by him, are uh, things like Rashomon and Seven Samurai and uh, maybe The Hidden Fortress, which was one of the templates for Star Wars. Um, and all of those movies take place in the distant past, you know, centuries ago during the time of the samurai and Japan's medieval wars. But um, almost half of the movies that Kurosawa made actually take place in the present. And even the ones that don't, even the ones that are more sort of uh, very old period pieces, they can all tell us something about the time period in which they were made. The way he told those stories or even why he chose those stories to tell um, often speak to things that Japan was experiencing when he made the movies. Um, this is pretty obvious in the case of his first 10 or 11 or 12 movies, most of which, uh, when you watch them, you know that they're about World War II and they're about the immediate post-war period when Japan was occupied by American troops after the end of World War II. But a lot of people don't necessarily have enough grounding in what came after that into the, the, the dramatic, what's called the economic miracle that Japan went through in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, and then the way that it um, repositioned itself as an international uh, power, but in a cultural and kind of globalistic way rather than an imperial militaristic way. Um, and when you do know that, background, that historical background, you start to see how those uh, movies, no matter when they're set, how those reflect those changes. Yeah, the ones that Kurosawa is probably most well known for are his ones set in the past in with, with samurai. And, and I, I didn't realize he had quite so many set in the present as well. So looking at those two, those two distant past versus current Japan, what ideas or what concepts or what pieces of history do you think are really um, enhancing those stories? Like why choose to set Seven Samurai in, in the past as, as opposed to now? So for the first several years after the war ended, um, there was a strict American censorship of Japanese media, and that included movies and radio. Uh, TV wasn't really up and running yet, but it also included any kind of print media. And one of the things that American uh, censors did not want Japanese storytellers doing was telling stories about the past, uh, because it was thought that Japan's history was fundamentally 
feudalistic and uh, backwards and uh, undemocratic, illiberal. And the, the Americans viewed it as their mission to turn Japan into a, a modern democratic state. So it was best to, thought best to just avoid Japanese history altogether. When that uh, censorship ended, um, it really started to, to go away in the late 90, 1940s and then was totally gone by the early 50s when the occupation ended. Um, filmmakers suddenly were free to explore the past again. And so Kurosawa mm-hmm. immediately starts doing that. But at the same time, Japan is going through so many changes so fast that some of the themes that Japan is wrestling with make their way into those stories. Um, In the case of Seven Samurai, it's a story about uh, a group of samurai who help farmers defend their village from bandits. And there's a lot of reasons to do with the feudal Confucian social order, why that's a strange thing to do. Um, Samurai don't typically work for peasants because that's not Mm -hmm. how it works. Um, Mm -hmm. But that concept of self-defense or doing creative things to defend your home um, relate to a debate that was going on in Japan in the early and mid-1950s about um, how Japan could defend itself uh, against external threats. The Cold War was going Mm -hmm. on. The Korean War had just uh, come to a stalemate. China had become communist a few years ago. There was concerns that China might uh, invade Taiwan. And while all this is going on, Japan is prevented from having a standing army anymore. The uh, constitution that the Americans wrote prevented Japan from having an army. So how do you defend yourself when you're not able to have an army? And so there are answers to that question uh, in the book. <laughs> awesome. That is that is really fascinating. And we'll make sure and uh, give you a chance to plug that a little bit more at the end. For now, we are going to jump on into our brainstorming. As a reminder, our plot is a bourgeois family joins a cattle drive, which leads to her reaching his son. So we can start wherever. Uh, David, did you have a specific reason why why this one really spoke to you? I did. So um, Hannah, I know you're in the San Francisco Bay Area. Jenny, where are you located? Uh, right now I'm in uh, Utah. Have either of you heard of the Chisholm Trail? It sounds vaguely familiar, but I couldn't like tell you what it is. Same. I'm in, I'm in Austin, Texas, and all Texas uh, people who go through the Texas school system will learn about the Chisholm Trail. That was one of our big major cattle drives that uh, ran from... South Texas up into uh, Oklahoma and Kansas um, to get the cattle to the bigger eastern markets, ultimately. What I did not know until recently was that the Chisholm Trail was um, established by a guy named Jesse Chisholm, who was half Native American. And he had a partner who helped him establish that trail, whose name was um, uh, Black Beaver, who was also Native American. And uh, so... That was something that I don't remember learning in my Texas history Mm -hmm. class way back in middle school. Um, But I think it's a really cool fact. And so uh, the fact that I recently learned that made me want to choose this prompt. Yeah, give us sort of a a cattle drive Western. So we have a a bourgeois family and then a mysterious her and a his. (laughs) We have every so often we get these pronouns that are confusing. So she wants to reach his son, not necessarily her son. And does that mean reaching physically traveling on the cattle drive to reach his son physically or does that mean like reach him emotionally like he's closed off oh maybe (laughs) that would that would be i had not considered that interpretation Uh, i was thinking physically i was thinking like that he's at one end of the cattle drive and she's at the other and that she joins whether 
I guess the question is, is she part of the bourgeois family and is his son part of the bourgeois family? Like, is this, it, my initial thought is that she's like, is that the son is, uh, is engaged to her and she's joining her future in-laws to travel to reach him at the other end or something where they will be married and... I don't know, things change along the way or because something's got to happen in this story. <laughs> so I don't know. That's kind of like loosely where I was going. What else? Where else could we be going with this? So it's a bourgeois family, but it's not just a nuclear family. There's got to be multiple sort of lineages involved in this family mm. uh, under okay. the same roof or maybe not. Maybe they live in a, like a huge estate and there's uh, maybe like an inheritance problem that, you know, oh, the inheritance might go to this person, but I'd rather it go to, it, to my son. <laughs> it's like a Hunger Games battle royale situation. <laughs> Whoever makes it across to the that's that's dark. A lot of opportunities to off people on a cattle drive. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Maybe they are like. Maybe they are traveling to reach the like they they've just learned that like the distant relative who they've been counting on to kind of restore their former maybe they've fallen in terms of wealth and they're counting on this relative to die and give them their inheritance and they've just learned that he might be giving it to somebody else and so they they're like well how do we get to him well let's join this cattle drive <laughs> and uh, and go try to convince him that we need this money more than anybody else. And so that's the first question. Why do they join the cattle drive? Is that the only, like, if you're just traveling to somebody to convince them about the inheritance, like, you just take a plane. So why is this bourgeois family joining a cattle drive? Well, there's safety in numbers. And if it's dangerous to cross the territory, then joining a cattle drive would be a way to get some protection because there's going to be cattle drivers there and they're going to be well armed and be able to defend you from any. Uh, near do wells out there. Yeah, if they're going somewhere where maybe there isn't, and you know, maybe it is somewhere that's remote enough that there really aren't easy access ways to get there. Other than this, it's or maybe they they go as far as they can, and they're like, yeah, this is the last train stop. Then it and then it's now like a a four day journey <laughs> to the actual farm where this person lives or the ranch. And so they're like, well, guess we're joining a cattle drive <laughs> and uh, and travel along that way. Is it possible that the is it possible that the her or the his that one of those refers to a cow rather than a person? <gasps> is it a story about a cow trying to reunite with her, <laughs> with her son? It's the Disney version, or with his son to re reunite with the son of the farmer. She okay. She had a cow <laughs> growing up. And then that cow's son was, or I guess it would have been a bull <laughs> because it has to be his son, but she had, she had uh, cattle and one of them had a son that she wanted to, uh, to raise, but he was sold. And so <laughs> she is trying to go get that cow back. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I like this, but is it the son of the cow that she grew up with? I think so. I think that's his, his son. I think yeah, maybe okay. that. The, the cow the bull she grew up with is gone, but she has a chance to get his son. Gotcha. Ferdinand okay, yeah. Jr. <laughs> yeah, Ferdinand Jr. Okay, okay. So I guess my question then is, is she part of the bourgeois family or does she just join in with them as well since they're all joining this cattle drive? This cattle drive just has all these extra visitors, extra guests. Dude, that's a good question because cause the wording of this prompt says, which leads her to her reaching his son. I'm wondering if her being on the cattle drive, like finding the son of her beloved bull is not, is, is something that happens, but not what she was necessarily aiming for oh. because of that wording, you see. Yeah, just like a happy ending reunion that she didn't expect. 
Right. So, but since she raised both, she might not be part of the bourgeois family. So why are they involved? Yeah. Yeah, we're playing around with this and I feel like we're just just missing the like the crux of this. So let me get us let me get us a title and see if that helps. <laughs> and this title is certainly evocative. So our title is The Three Cross Country Women Who Have Been Driven Mad. <laughs> which is a heck of a title. <laughs> what do we do with that? The, the driven mad on the cattle drive. There's a There's pun. There's a pun. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> Does oh. the whole does the whole herd come down with mad cow disease? <gasps> is that what yes. happens to the bull? That's what happens to the bull. <laughs> yeah. So maybe the bull is like, yeah, on on the cattle drive, <laughs> they all get sick. The bourgeois family now, by the way, there's at least we have one woman in the story already, the mysterious her. So we've got to have at least two other women in the bourgeois family. Maybe it's only women. Maybe it's like a matriarchal, <laughs> like grandma mom daughter (laughs) who are all traveling joining the cattle drive on their own another reason to join a cattle drive if they're if it's all women who are a little bit more vulnerable (laughs) it's weird that we have a pun in this now because this makes this like that makes it a little like jauntier than it was (laughs) right you almost have to make it a little bit goofy Unless there's a way to spin it as like poetic instead. (laughs) Poetic wordplay instead of silly wordplay. So they're going cross country. Mm Mm-hmm. And normally I think of that as east-west, but cattle drives tended to go south to north. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's still crossing the country. It's just crossing the country the other way. Yeah, so um, I'm thinking that they, they're Texan. Yeah, I think t- heading up to, like, Montana or something. Yeah, sure, it could um, be Montana. I think the thing that we're missing here is, like, the... We have all these events we have and we're missing like a core like motivation or even a core obstacle. And so I don't I think I don't know if this comes out from family, if this is partly the bourgeois family struggling on the cattle drive, which would definitely certainly be different. I don't know if the madness comes into play in a way like does one of them make the decision that they're all going to join the cattle drive and one is kind of not pleased about this and is trying to turn back or trying to get them to turn back for some reason. So bourgeois family joining cattle drive, that sounds weird and unusual, not something they would do on purpose unless they had a good motivation. Now, what if our her, the title character, I suppose, is the black sheep of the bourgeois family, as it were, and she's already run off to become a ranger, and that's why she's raised a bull. Now, because of some crisis with her, like maybe because she lost her bull in the first place or some other personal crisis, her family, like her mother and her sisters, maybe, I don't know, but they decide to join her Mm -hmm. on her cattle drive in order to like show support or maybe even to get something from her. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. The other angle that I came from when you said that, I like the idea of her being kind of a separate, separate entity from them. It's still technically part of the family. Yeah. Just to give it a little bit of an interesting oomph that you could do something interesting with. What if she's already there in the North, in Montana or whatever, Uh huh. and they are coming up to take her back or to, or to meet her or something. And she, for some reason has to, ends up journeying down. They go from opposite ends of the cattle drive to try to, she's trying to catch them before they get all the way up there. Um, And so you could have these two points of view of her traveling down on one end and of her family traveling up on the other and have some interesting crossplay with that. So like whether they're, maybe there's dangerous situation that she doesn't want them to come into, or maybe she is like, I know you're going to spend all your money on this trip. (laughs) 
and don't because it's not worth it. I'm not coming back or whatever it is that they want from her. And along the way, she reaches the cattle drive and one of the cows there is her bull's son. I love the idea of these like middle class women being like, oh, no, we support your ranching lifestyle. I can do this. Maybe she ran off. Yeah. Maybe she ran away to marry a rancher in the north. And they would have objected to that marriage. Yeah. And so, like, maybe they are, like, literally coming to take her back. While appearing supportive. And then they realize cattle drive is not as easy as it sounded. They're bourgeois. (laughs) So the only other thing that we need to tie in then is is their madness. I'm thinking that the phrasing leads to her reaching his son implies that the family members, the, the woman who's off by herself and then her bourgeois family members who are coming to get her, are not actually going to reach each other. Um, mm. So, because the person who she reaches is actually his son. Oh. So does she find out that they're coming after her and then runs off even further? Does something go terribly wrong in the cattle drive? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. What if, okay, so she left the family to go off and marry this rancher who they thought he was no good and, you know, objected to the marriage, so she ran away. What if he had a son from a previous relationship that she didn't know about and they're coming to get her because he died. Not the son, her her husband, rancher. So she's up at the ranch by herself. Right, and they say, well, now we can get her to join the family. But she's fallen in love with the lifestyle. And while they're coming north and she's coming south... Okay, no. One of the cattle drivers is also his his estranged son. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. And so the, the son has a secret motive as well, maybe, if he knows where they're headed. <laughs> like he figures out who they are. Because he knows about his dad's new wife, but she doesn't know about his estranged son. He probably had been estranged from his father and only found out that, you know, the the most recent thing he heard is when he got a letter saying his father had passed away. So he joined the cattle drive to get up there, having no idea that there was a wife up there. Yeah. And then meets the bourgeois family who know his name and know that they're also going up to (laughs) to see his his new wife. He's having to sort of guide them through the wilderness and they're very snide about it. You know, like they're very, they look down their nose at him. This is taking shape. This is taking shape. I think the only thing we're missing now is the madness. And I don't know if this is going, if that's madness who have ended in tragedy. Maybe this is a, a snide, maybe thus a wordplay comment on these women who are going off into the wilderness when they should be staying at home in, in the comfort. And we're like, that they have been driven mad and choose to go out into this, this wasteland of a country. Maybe it's not actual madness. It's just that they all choose to go on this bizarre adventure and the the bourgeois family is like oh we have to get you and come back so that we are no longer seen as the ones who are so mad as to do this kind of thing right that's what i think makes sense i think that's enough adventure in itself just watching these women try to survive on a cattle drive yeah and now we've got family dynamics involved we've got this son who may or may not reveal his relationship (laughs) to the to the women we've got the woman at the other end who's trying to secure her place on the ranch and figure out how can she not how can she hold on to it and not be taken back Ooh, Uh, (laughs) ooh, ooh! but but one of the bourgeois women is like our original woman's baby sister uh huh. And she falls for the sun. Oh. On the cattle yes. drive. Absolutely, yes. Which completely backfires mom's plan of getting all her daughters back to New York or whatever. You know, like, no, another one fell for a rancher. 
<laughs> Poor mom at the end. Just being like, oh, I have to go back alone now. <laughs> so if they get to the end of the cattle drive and this other daughter marries the, the cow hand and inherits the ranch, where does that leave our original woman? Is she really out of luck and has to go back with the family? I like the idea that she'd like just welcome them in because you know the the son of the man she loved and her baby sister who's fallen in love with the life she fell in love with like just let me show you guys how to do this let's let's make this work uh okay so there's not going to be like an inheritance squabble between the wife and the son i i don't yeah i don't know that there needs to be i think we've got enough enough relationship dynamics going on that i don't think we need that there's enough cows to go around there's enough space up there at this point okay (laughs) um all right well we are we are at the end of our brainstorming time this was a tricky one to really like (laughs) dig we had some we had to to fight to get into this one but i think we made it work um awesome well listeners we're going to toss it out to you to to take this and to do what you want with it come on lifetime movies We, we I don't think we've had any westerns so far in our I think this is our first like true western so I'm very cool. excited uh David I know this is a genre you really like I'm really glad that you were able to to contribute to that to choose that for us I am so excited about that yeah <laughs> I really am as a native Texan I have to be very proud of that <laughs> yes absolutely okay so we're before we close things out officially we're going to go ahead and we're going to give our shout out to a story that we think our readers should check out i just read uh red rising by pierce brown which is a on the surface it seems like every other ya dystopian novel in the world <laughs> um <laughs> it was one of the, so i started reading it and it's very it's very hunger gamesy it's very ender gamesy kids in a military academy learning, you know, battling out to be the leader and get future military accolades. But what is really interesting about it is it's the writing and the characters ended up really hooking me. And so I started reading it and was like, yeah, this is fine, but kind of generic. And then halfway through, I realized I didn't want to put it down. (laughs) And so I do want to go ahead and get the rest of the series now. And so if you enjoy that style of book, this is definitely one to pick up. It's on the surface. It doesn't seem like anything extra, but it's it's well-written and well-crafted and really draws you in. So I definitely recommend it. All right, Jenny, what story would you like to recommend this week? I'm going to recommend an old favorite, as usual. <laughs> the book I read often as as a teenager. Uh, it's called The True Confessions of Charlotte Doyle, and it's by Avi. And it's not as well known as some of his other books, I think, but uh, one of my favorites. It's about a girl named Charlotte who is, I believe, 12 or 14. It's been several years since I've read it. But she's she's on goes on a ship for passage between, I believe, Europe and America, but what happens is she's the only passenger on the ship and there's a mutiny that happens. And so like to, in order to deal with the situation, she ends up joining the crew to, and it's like late 1800s. So, you know, she's supposed to be wearing skirts and be all delicate and whatever, but she joins the crew and has all these adventures and writes it all down when she gets home safely. And her parents are like, Oh my gosh, totally shocked at everything she did. What? Just, just a delightful book and fun seafaring adventure and young adult drama. And uh, if you're into young adult fiction, that's, a, that's an old favorite that I highly recommend. All right, David, what is a story, any medium, any genre that you would like to recommend that our listeners check out? I'm hoping this is going to be a first too, because I'm going to recommend a sociology book. Ooh. Uh, it's called Shinohata, S-H-I-N-O-H-A-T-A. And the subtitle is A Portrait of a Japanese Village. 
the author is an English sociologist named Ronald Doerr, D-O-R-E, and he spent uh, a lot of time between the mid-1950s and the mid-1970s uh, in little Japanese villages, um, just talking to people, living with people, and noticing the things that were changing or the things that were not changing. Um, and it really doesn't read like uh, like an academic book at all. It reads like a series of little stories. It's broken into chapters that are thematic, like one of them is about uh, like marriage, and another one is about modern farming techniques, and another one is about raising silkworms, and one of them is called The Search for the Alchemist's Secret. But I'll, I'll leave that topic as a surprise to anybody who chooses to pick it up. Um, I love it. It is uh, something I've gone back to many times, including for my book, uh, as a source on sort of a from-the-rice-roots view of what's going on in Japan during those uh, years. That sounds fascinating. That does. I'm going to have to add that to my reading list for sure. All right. As we close out, David, how can our listeners see more of what you're doing? Do you have an author website or social media that you'd like to share with us so that we can be on the lookout for your book? Yes. Um, I will be, especially in the new year, I will start um, really promoting the book on social media. It's um, it's under contract now, and I don't have a release date or a final title, but I'll be making those things known on um, Twitter, where I'm at David A. Conrad. Um, and on Facebook, my Facebook author page is uh, facebook.com slash David Conrad author. And um, David Conrad author is also, just double checking that. Yes, that is the name of my website, davidconradauthor.com, which I just set up recently in order to promote the book. So look for updates there in the new year. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to, to get to read this when this is released to the world. Once again, thank you so, so much for joining us today, David. This was a really a different episode than what we've done in the past. But uh, I love having different guests on with different interests and leanings in their stories. And that really, I think that really fleshed this out into something that Jenny and I wouldn't have found on our own. So thank you so much for joining us today for that. Thank you very much. This is my first opportunity really to talk about the book in a, in a public setting. And I really enjoyed it. All right, folks, that is our episode. As a reminder, you can find us every other Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at WriteThisPod. And if you've been inspired by this episode and have questions or comments or a story or anything else, email us at somebodywritethis at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks. We'll see you then. And as they say, should you miss the tiger, be assured that he will not miss you. 